Thanks for joining us today at Springwell Church, where we want to draw spiritually thirsty people to Jesus by loving God, loving each other, and loving the world. We hope that today's message builds you up, gives you a little insight, and helps you find a brand new perspective. You can find us in Taylor, South Carolina, and online at springwell.org. That's springwell.org. Now let's jump into the message. Good morning. Y'all feeling good? You look awesome. Turn the person beside you and say, you look awesome. Those of you that are seated alone, just say to yourself, I look awesome. So when you were, when you were a kid, did you have a plan for your life? Sounds kind of like a weird question, right? So when you were a kid, did you have hopes? Did you have dreams? Were there things that you said when someone asked you the question, what do you want to be when you grow up? Was there like that thing that would pop into your head? Maybe you said that for years when somebody would ask you that question. So here's, how did that turn out for you? Did, did it turn out like you expected? Did life turn out the way that you expected it to be? So when I was a kid, my mom said, I don't really remember this, but my mom said when people would ask me that question when I was a kid, what do you want to be when you grow up? I would always say the same thing. I'd always say, I'm going to be a doctor during the week, and I'm going to be a preacher on Sunday. I guess I got half that right. Half of it, I suppose. So let me ask you this question. How are those expectations working out for you? What you expected to be. Now, some of you might be thinking, you know what, this is not where I thought I would be at this stage of my life. Some of you, maybe you're single and you thought, you know what, I thought I'd be married by now. Maybe some of you are married and you thought, I thought marriage was going to be ideal and it's turned into an ordeal and now you're looking for a new deal. You know, maybe, that, maybe that's your thing. Maybe you thought at this stage of life, you thought that you would, you would have a better job. That you would be, you know, out on your own. Maybe you're single and you're still living at home with your parents. And you thought, you know what, I thought at this stage, surely by this age, I would have my own home. I would be out on my own. You had plans. You had dreams. And life really hasn't turned out the way that you expected it to be. And so if you look at your life and you're thinking, you know what, I just, think, I just thought things would be different, you're going to love this story that we're going to look at this morning, the story of Abraham and Sarah. And I have to say this, this is not in my notes, and believe me, it should be in my notes, I guess. I mean, I literally yesterday just rewrote some of the message for today, so it's going to be a little scary, um, maybe. Okay, probably not scary. Okay, probably a little scary, right? You're probably a little bit nervous. Especially if you're a follower of Jesus. Let me ask you this question. If you're a follower of Jesus, is your life with Jesus going the way that you expected it to go? Maybe there are some unanswered prayers. Maybe, maybe you were convinced that God made you some promises, that God said some things to you. He, he, um, he, he told you what your future was going to look like. And, and at this stage of your life, those prayers haven't been answered. Maybe, and maybe you're disappointed. Maybe you're confused. Maybe you've even thought, you know what, I, 
is supposed to be different. Life with Jesus is supposed to be different. And so maybe if those expectations haven't been met, then I really do think that this story is going to be a great story for you. We're going to jump into Genesis 12. We'll end up in like Genesis 21. So we'll be preaching through the entire book of Genesis. I'm just kidding. We won't. Don't get nervous. Genesis 12, verse 1, the Lord said to Abram. So I thought you said it was Abraham. Well, before he was Abraham, he was uh, Abram. Before his wife Sarah was Sarah, she was Sarai. So the Lord said to Abram, Go from your country, your people, and your father's household to a land that I will show you. Now, how many of you are really adventurous? How many of you love to travel? How many of you love to travel? How many of you love adventure? I remember when we started Springwell Church. Stephen Curtis Chapman had a song, The Great Adventure. Saddle up your horses. Y'all with me? Man, I love that song when we were on this great adventure. So maybe some of you are just thinking, dude, this is awesome. Verse 2, I will make you into a great nation. Ah! I will bless you. I'm going to make your name great. And you, you, sir, are going to be a blessing. I'm going to bless you. I'm going to make your name great. You're going to be a blessing. In fact, I'm going to bless those who bless you and whoever curses you. I'm going to curse them. And all the peoples of the earth will be blessed through you. Now, which verse do you like the best? And so maybe if you really are adventurous, if you love to travel, maybe you're just right there still with verse 1. You're thinking, dude, let's saddle up. Let's go. I love adventure. Maybe some of you got to verse 2 and verse 3, and you forgot all about verse 1. You said, I don't care where we're going. It doesn't matter to me. Like if God's going to make my name great, like if God said, I'm going to bless you, I'm going to bless those who bless you, I'm going to curse those who curse you. Now, aren't you feeling pretty bold right now if that's it, right? You want to kind of stick out your chest. You want to strut around like a banny rooster and say, don't you dare mess with me. Which verse, which verse do you like the best? Which verse caught your eye? My experience has been is that where there's a great promise, where there's a great promise, there's a great cost. Okay, I shouldn't use the word cost. Where there's a great promise, there's a great challenge. Does that end up better? I mean, how many people want to sign up for something when you know there's going to be a great cost? You wonder, is the cost going to be worth it in the end, right? So you kind of want to weigh that. So I think that we don't really like talking about the high cost of discipleship. I remember doing a message years ago on the high cost of discipleship. And I remember how I felt at the end when I'm giving the invitation. Like, how many people want to sign up for this? You know? So maybe to think it's going to be a great challenge, a great adventure. Maybe that's better. And if I've learned anything, if I've learned anything over the years, it's this. That a great challenge is going to require great faith. I promise you, it's going to require a great faith. So God's saying, I'm, I'm asking you to trust me. I'm asking you to trust me. I'm asking you to leave the zone 
of the known. This is where you've spent your life. And, and, and these are people that you're comfortable with. This is a community that you know and that you're comfortable with. And I want you to leave the comfort of the known, and I want you to go to the, to the discomfort of the unknown. And can I just say this, that when you follow God into the zone of the unknown, there's going to be times when it is not going to feel like a blessing. You're not going to feel like that the path that you're on is going to lead to a blessing. In fact, I can promise you this, that there's going to be times when you are following God with this great adventure, even with a great promise. It's going to require a great faith because there's going to be times when you're going to believe that the road that you're on is going to lead you to the dead end of a curse. And it's going to require a great faith if you're going to stay on that road. So let's read on. Verse 4. So Abram went as the Lord told him, and Lot went with him. Abram was 75 years old. I just got stuck there. I've been preaching this for years and years and years, this particular text. And i got to be honest, when you're young, you don't think a whole lot about it. When you get a little old, you go, 75? Dude, he's old. Like, you get the promise when you're old. I love how... Actually, the New Testament writer of Hebrews puts it, Hebrews 11, by faith, <laughs> that's right, by faith, Abraham. By faith, Abraham, when called to go to a place that he would, he would later, <laughs> I, I should have underlined that word later. I don't like the word later. Do you like the word later? God gives you a promise. When do you want the promise? We're so impatient, are we not? We don't want to wait. I'm going to make your name great. I'm going to bless those who bless you. I'm going to curse those who curse you. I'm telling you what, this is going to be the adventure of your life. It's going to be awesome. It's going to require a great faith, and it's going to be a few years later when the blessing has been delivered. By faith, Abraham was told to go to a place that he would later receive as his inheritance and obeyed and went. And even though he didn't know where he was going, he still went anyway. It's just an awesome passage. And now that I'm 64, I know it's hard to believe. You guys were probably thinking I was like 39, 40. And now that when I'm 64 and when I read, it just hit me just a few weeks ago. I read this text and I went, oh my gosh. He's like past retirement. And God gives him a promise to uproot his family and to go somewhere, and he doesn't even have directions. He can't even put it in his GPS. God said, just start down that road. And little by little, I'll let you know every turn when it's time. So Abram and Sarah, I get this incredible promise, which is really, really sweet. But things rarely go like we expect them to go on the road to blessing. Let's read on, verse 10. Now there was a famine in the land. And as soon as I read that there was a famine in the land, it reminded me of the book of Ruth. 
And I don't know if y'all remember, but that whole story of, of Ruth and Naomi, uh, Imelech, and it, that whole thing started with a famine, right? It started with a famine, and Imelech said, you know what? We got to go from where we are. We're going to move to a land that I know has been cursed. We're not supposed to go there. We're not supposed to intermarry with those people. We're not supposed to hang out with them. But he did what was right in his own eyes. He did what he thought he needed to do in order to save his family and so this is another one of those situations. Now, there was a famine in the land, and Abram went down to Egypt to live there for a while because the famine was severe. And I told you that there's rarely a great adventure without a great cost. I mean, without a great, without a great ch challenge. And as he went about to enter Egypt, he said to his wife, Sarai, you're hot. I mean, you are really, I'm not kidding you, like, you're, you're awesome. You're amazing. I mean, you are beautiful. And, and here's the thing. So when the Egyptians see you, they will say, well, that's his wife. And then what they'll want to do, because you're such a hottie, they'll want to kill me. They'll, they'll want to kill me so that they can have you. So, just tell everybody you're my sister. So that I'll be treated well for your sake. I like the way he said for your sake, don't you? So here's the thing. I want you to lie. I want you to lie. I want you to tell everybody, because you're hottie, see? And like, maybe he built that up. Maybe there's a lot more that he said than is not really included in the text. I mean, maybe he just built that up for a while. I mean, like, you are hot, hot, hot. And so they're going to want you. They're going to want to kill me, you know. And so here's the thing. If you'll just lie and say that you're my sister so that you will be treated well. I'll be treated well for, for your sake. I mean, I'm just thinking about you, baby. And my life will be spared because of you. Now, how many of you men are thinking, dude, you are in so much trouble? Here's the thing that's interesting to me. He's already forgot the promise. It's amazing, isn't it, how, how easily it is for us to forget the promises of God, the protection of God, that in the moment when we're on this road, and suddenly we find that there's a few potholes, there's a little bit of gravel on the road when the road is a little bit unstable and uncertain. Isn't it amazing that suddenly we forget all about the promises of God, the protection of God? And so then what we decide to do, again, if you were here a couple of weeks ago, then what we decide to do, if you read the book of Judges, you'll see this verse over and over and over again in the book of Judges. They did what was right in their own eyes. And suddenly we forget everything. We forget all of, about God's protection, God's hands, God's promise on us. And then what we do is we decide that I better, I better take this situation in my hands. I better get control of this. I can't tell you how many times in our marriage we've had to talk ourselves into faith. Rather than allowing fear to take over in that moment 
and calls us to forget the promises of God, to forget that God promised that he would meet all of our needs according to his riches and glory. And there were times when it, for us as a young couple, it just got scary. And just to give you an example, I remember the day that I told Karen that I thought it was time for us to move off to seminary. I remember that day. It was a beautiful, beautiful fall afternoon, and we were out raking leaves. And, and Karen and I love to work in the yard together. I mean, we really, really do. That's one of our things. And, and we will, like, spend all day Saturday, you know, still to this day, we'll spend all day on a Saturday working in the yard, doing what we need to do. And then as a treat, then we go to the clock afterwards. Because somewhere in the red words, we're pretty sure Jesus said, if you've worked really hard, you get to go to the clock when it's over with. I remember that day uh, that I, I, I told Karen that it was time for us to move off to seminary. It was, it was a beautiful afternoon. I had graduated from college about a year and a half earlier. And i got to be honest, I was content to be the pastor of a small church. And God had been speaking to me for a while about moving off to seminary, and, and I didn't like what I was hearing. Now, let me tell you why I didn't like what I was hearing, because I hated school. Um, when I was in high school, I didn't even go much. That would be funny if it wasn't so sad. My senior year, my senior year, I cut 33 days. The limit was 31. The vice principal said, I'm going to fail you when you walk across that stage to get your diploma I'm going to hand you a blank piece of paper. I looked at him and I said, if you think it was rough this year, if you don't let me graduate, I'm going to give you a really hard time next year. My language wasn't quite so good there. And I don't know why he didn't, like, kick me out of school right there on the spot. I hated, I hated school. When I said the word hate, I, that doesn't really be able to, it doesn't really describe how I felt. But that afternoon, it was clear. It was time to make a move. And I remember standing in the front yard. Karen and I had pretty much raked all the leaves, and we had them in the back in, in a big, huge pile. And we were standing there, and I put my arm around her. And we were looking at this, this little home. I went by that house. <laughs> I went by that house this week. They tore it down. I said, wow, that's sad. We love that house. It, it was our dream. It was our dream come true. It really was. And, and that day I looked at her and I said, Honey, it's time to move. And she looked at me with her eyes filled with tears. And if those of you that don't know Karen, I mean, Karen's not that poor. I cried a watermelon slice. And she, on the other hand, does not cry that easily. And with tears in her eyes, she said, Okay. So we both quit our jobs, and I was pastoring a church at the time, and so I had to tell the church we had to put our house up for sale. We had to make ready to go to seminary, and so we knew we had to put our house on the market, and honestly, we didn't know how fast it would sell, and it had to sell before we could actually go to school, and, and so I went ahead and told the church what I was doing. I said, man, I don't know how long it'll take, and cause to not do that, I would have ended up having to lie to the church, and I couldn't do that to the people that I loved, and, and so she went to her 
place of employment, and she told them, I don't know exactly when it's going to be, but here's our plans. And so we put the house on the market. The house sold really, really quick. And so then uh, we, we made preparation to go to seminary, which means I had to be accepted in the seminary. And yes, I know you're shocked, but they did accept me. And so then we, we, we moved off to seminary. We packed everything that we had, and we moved off the seminary. And right before we moved, everything was great. We were ready for the move, and then we found out that Karen was pregnant. Did I say that a great adventure, that following God, wherever God would lead, there would be a great cost? I mean, challenge. <laughs> there was a cost. So now I'm packing up all of our possessions, which wasn't a whole lot, and we move off to seminary with a pregnant wife. Hmm. But of course, we moved to Wake Forest, North Carolina, so I could attend Southeastern Theological Seminary, and everything worked out better than we planned. Nope. Long story short, at one point, I was working three part-time jobs. She was working at least a 40-hour week as a full-time position. And at one point, I'm, I'm leaving a lot of stuff out, but at one point with me working three part-time jobs, and what that meant was going to school full-time. At that point, I was living, I was living at seminary full-time, and, and to be on seminary, you had to take a full-time, you had to take a full load. And so I'm, I'm going to school full-time, I'm working three part-time jobs, and we still can't pay the bills. And we had a little bit of money in savings, but that money was, was going really, really, really fast. And I remember thinking, God, now wait a minute, hang on, wait a minute, Lord. You told me, you, you're the one who told me to make this move, like Abraham, you know. I just want you to pack your bags. I'm going to let you know where you're going. I'm not going to tell you what it's going to be like when you get there. But I, I remember getting angry at God after a period of time. I said, wait a minute, wait a, wait a minute. I'm following you. I have gave my life to do what you've called me to do. Like, where are you? I guess the right word is cost, not challenge. But then, but then, but then I was called to pastor a small church of about 33 people that was located 52 miles from seminary. And God blessed, and the church grew, and we lived happily ever after. Nope. God did bless. God did a phenomenal thing at that little church. That church did grow. That church did grow. In six weeks, in six weeks, we doubled. We went from 33. It's still not a lot. I mean, wow. I mean, like if that had been... I went, there was 1,000, and six weeks later, it was 2,000. No, we started with 33, and six weeks later, it was 64, 65. Had a little revival, like if you're brand new to church, you don't even know what that is. And we had our first revival. We had over 125 people in attendance. I mean, we had overflow rooms. I'm not kidding you. We had overflow rooms that were Sunday school classes, but you could open up these, these doors. And, and so we had them in the overflow room. People were standing up. It was awesome. It was awesome. And then I 
grew the church back down to 30. God blessed and he doubled it. I grew it back down to 30. It's a true story. And I went, what? Now, wait a minute. God, wait, now, wait. What, what are you doing? I'm, I'm, doing, I'm following you. I'm, I mean, I'm on the right road. And I'm telling you, this road does not look like to me that it's leading to a blessing. It looks like to me that it's leading me to a curse. The church treasurer hated me so much that she stopped paying our hospitalization. We had no medical care. And we didn't know it. She didn't tell, she didn't tell us. She didn't tell the church. All on her own, all by herself, she just decided that she would stop paying for our insurance. And we had a brand new baby. Emily was born in North Carolina. And I had no hospitalization. And I was making a whopping $11,000 a year. And yes, that was my full-time, not my part-time salary. I'm just saying that following Jesus is not always what we expect it to be. So Abram panicked. God had already given him a promise. I'm going to bless you and I'm going to make you a great nation. And he's like, well, you know what? That's awesome, but they're going to kill me. Like, you've given me, you've blessed me with a beautiful wife, and she is absolutely beautiful. But when they see her, they're going to kill me so that they can have her. And so I've got to take matters into my own hands. And so he did what was right in his own eyes. But you know what? I bet that he learned from his mistake and things got better, right? So Genesis 16, verse 1. Now Sarai, Abram's wife, had borne him no children. Hmm. So, Houston, we have a problem. I mean, it's pretty much hard, to, as far as I can see, to have a great family, much less to be a great nation with no children. There's got to be offspring. But she had an Egyptian slave named Hagar. You can't make this stuff up. I mean, the Bible is so awesome. So she said to Abram, the Lord has, the Lord has killed. I love that. It ain't my fault. Ain't my fault I ain't had no kids. It's God's fault. The Lord's kept me from having kids. So here's the thing. I want you to sleep. And if you look at look up at the Hebrew word, it doesn't mean sleep. She's not saying you can cuddle with my maidservant. Go sleep with my slave. Somebody just woke up. That what? It's in the Bible? Yeah. Perhaps I can build a family through her. And so maybe she's thinking, you know what? God gave me a brain. And I guess he, you know, wants me to use it. I mean, God helps them who help themselves, right? Right? Isn't that the principle? I mean, isn't it a verse of Scripture somewhere? It's not. And so she decided, you know what? I've got to do what's right in my own eyes. And you haven't blessed. And so I've got to take matters into my own hands. So you can sleep with my my maidservant, you can sleep with his slave and you can have a child through her and then God's promise will be fulfilled. And so if you read the whole story, Abraham gave in and he slept with Hagar and she gave him a son, but things did not turn out well. I know you're not surprised. 
And there was jealousy and there was years and years of trouble because they did what was right in their own eyes. You know what? Waiting on God does not seem to be our strong suit, does it? Trusting God for His timing doesn't seem to be our strong suit, does it? Taking God at His word does not seem to be our strong suit. And there's times when things just don't logically work out. If you don't hear anything else, please hear me say this. We do not serve a logical God because He's not bound by logic. He's not bound by practicality. He's not bound by any laws of the universe. God can do anything He wants to do when He wants to do it. But somehow we forget that when times are hard. Young people in their 20s look at their parents in their 50s and they think, you know what, I want to live like mom and dad. And so then they start making some really stupid decisions and they don't look at Scripture or God's Word because God does have a plan of how we should live financially and what we should do with our money and how we should save money and give money and those kinds of principles. And they throw that out the window and they get deep in debt and then suddenly they're in They're in debt over their head and they can't pay their bills and they're struggling because they wanted everything now. We don't wait well. We don't follow well. It seems like we don't trust God very well or His timing. But I bet things get better, right? I bet at least they're learning from their mistakes. Genesis 17, verse 1. When Abram was how old? I can't hear you. How old old was he when God started the promise? I mean, we're looking at, at like, you know, we're pushing 25 years later, right? 25 years later, the Lord appeared to him and said, I am God Almighty. Walk before me faithfully and be, and be blameless. And then I'll make my covenant between me and you and, and will greatly increase your numbers. And so Abraham, being the great man of faith that he was, because he's made a few mistakes along the way, right? Like he should have trusted God, and he didn't trust God. Sarah, you would have thought she would have been watching her husband on the sidelines, and she would have said, you know what, he's done what was right in his eyes. It didn't work out so well. She didn't learn anything, and so she made some mistakes. But surely by this point, they've learned. They've learned to trust God. God will do what he said he'll do, right? Right? Nope. Verse 17, so he, he fell down, face down, he laughed, and he said to himself, Will a son be born to a man 100 years old? Duh. Will Sarah bear a child at the age of 90? I know this is church Sunday morning. You're like the really spiritual crowd. We know that 11 o'clock service is not nearly as spiritual as y'all, Right? 
Now forget, just a minute, forget that you're in church on a Sunday morning. Forget that maybe you've been serving God for a very long time. Maybe just forget that. He started when he was 75, past retirement, and God said, listen, I'm going to make a, a great nation out of you. In fact, all the rest of the nations of the world will be blessed because of you. I'm going to make your name great. I'm going to bless those who bless you. I'm going to curse those who curse you. And then God make, makes his covenant. He says, I'm, I'm going to do that. And then suddenly there's no kids, and it's been, it's been 25 years. He said, are you kidding me? I would have believed this a while back. But you just waited too late. Chapter 18, verse 12. So Sarah laughed to herself as she thought, I love this, after I'm worn out. Like if you're 90, aren't you pretty sure, aren't you thinking, ladies, come on, y'all with me? Like if I looked at you right now and said, you're going to get pregnant and you're going to bear a son. Would you be thinking, yay, I doubt it. You'd probably say, I'm worn out. <laughs> and my Lord is old. Well, I now have this pleasure. Then the Lord said to Abraham, why did Sarah laugh and say, well, I really have a child now that I'm old? And when he asked her this question, is anything too hard for the Lord? I'll return to you at the appointed time next year, and she will, in fact, have a son. And maybe, maybe there's a couple this morning, and you've been praying, and you've been begging, and you've been pleading with God to give you a child, and that has not happened. I cannot promise you, I cannot look at you this morning and I cannot promise you that you will indeed have a child. But what I can say is this, is if God told you that you will, then you will. And I know that that's a lot easier said than done. I know it's easy for me to stand up here on the stage this morning and to tell you, just have faith and just believe. But what I am saying that if God gave you a promise, he will deliver. God will do everything that he said he'll do, he will do. Now the Lord was gracious to Sarah as he had said, and the Lord did for Sarah what he'd promised. She became pregnant and bore a son to Abraham in his old age. And at the very time God had promised, Abraham gave the name Isaac to the son Sarah bore him. Here's, here's, here's the thing. So if you read commentaries, they'll say that Abraham was known as being the father of faith. I think it's easy to read that in a commentary and to think, well, God blessed him because he was a man of faith. Really? Have you read their story? Really? I mean, have you read their story? Did you pay any attention this morning? I mean, we started at chapter 12. We've walked through a few verses, and it doesn't look like that they really had a whole lot of faith. Here's the beauty of God. God will fulfill his promise even when our faith is not perfect. Come on, somebody. Even when you doubt, even when you're confused, even when you don't see the light at the end of the tunnel, even when it looks like the path that you're on is leading to a curse, not a blessing, you don't have to worry about being perfect in your faith because God will do what he said he will do. I got two of you excited. 
Two more decided to clap because he wanted to join those two. So what's the great takeaway? What's the takeaway from the story? I think it's exactly that. I think that even when our faith isn't perfect, even when our experiences have shattered the dream, we serve a God who will do what He said He'll do. Listen, we serve a God that can be trusted. So if you're a follower of Jesus, maybe you're struggling in your faith, and maybe you're struggling because you thought, you know what, I thought, I thought God made some promises. I thought he said that he was going to, and he hasn't fulfilled. It's just not timing. It's just not time yet. Hang on. I've, there's been times in my life when I was so angry. I remember saying to God in seminary, again, a long story. I remember being so angry at him, and I remember being in that little church, and it was raining. I remember looking out this huge, huge window. I remember looking outside. I remember looking up toward the sky. And I said out loud to God, I said, God, I don't know when I've seen the sun shine last. It's been raining in my life for so, so long. Things are getting worse. They're not getting better. You blessed and the church doubled. I took hold of it and grew it back down below where we started. He said, son, trust me. Trust me. Walk with me. I remember saying to him, Lord, I got nowhere else to go. I've left everything behind to follow you. I got nowhere else to go. So what I'm telling you as a follower of Jesus, maybe what you need to do is just hang on. Hang on. Hang on to the promise. Trust and believe. If you're here this morning, you're not a follower of Jesus, and you've wondered how someone like you, a sinner, could ever be made right with God. <laughs> how in the world could I ever receive the beautiful gift and the wonder of salvation? Was that promise for everybody but me? I mean, there's nothing good about me. There's nothing good in me. And the more I try to do better, the better I try to be, the worse it seems like I, I do. But I can tell you that based on the authority of God's Word, is that if you are willing to surrender your life to Jesus, fully surrender your life to Him, He will take you as you are. Jesus went to the cross, and on the cross, he died. He shed his blood to pay the penalty for all of our sin. You know why? So that he could be in a relationship with people like me and you. People that his faith is far from perfect. People that stumble and fall and mess up and come short. He said, I'm going to provide a way. So if you're here this morning, you're not a follower of Jesus. But you'd like to be? And with every head bowed and every eye closed, maybe you'd pray a prayer or something like this. Maybe you'd just say, Father, I have miserably failed you. I am a sinner. <laughs> maybe you would be like me, and maybe you'd say, and Father, I might be 
the chief among all sinners. But I come to you this morning confessing that sin and asking for your forgiveness, telling you that what I need is your mercy and your grace. Telling, I need your mercy, I need your grace. I need the promise of salvation. Tell him, not based on my merit, but based on your goodness. Confess to him that you're a sinner. Thank him for the beautiful gift of salvation. And just tell him, I want to fully surrender my life to you. Lord, thank you for the beautiful stories in the Bible of people that, Lord, I guess I've been taught my whole life were were heroes of the faith. And yet, Lord, when you examine their lives, they miserably failed you time and time and time again. Thank you for the story, Lord, of a couple who miserably failed you. But God, you you did exactly what you said you would do. Thank you, God, that you're faithful. Thank you that we can trust you. Lord, we love you. It's in your sweet name that we pray. Amen.